Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Good morning, Vietnam! Wait a minute. Oh, that's not even... Sorry about that, yo. How y'all doing? Man, is it June 9th already? You wouldn't know it by the weather. It's only 200 degrees out here. Crisp. Yeah, I'm thinking about it, Chester. But not till these folks get what they came for. Come on in, the water's fine, he says. Yeah, that's a good way to lose your noodle. And I don't mean your full noodle. Come on in, friends. Hmm. That's better. Well, tonight we've got a story from Erin Vleck. You might remember her from... That's episode 24, Big D. Episode 24. Do you copy? Uh, over. Uh, hold on just a second, will you? I was saying. Tonight we're joined by Aaron Vleck, whom you might remember from Season 1, Episode 24. We like our return customers on this show. We hope you all remember them, too. So smoke them if you've got them, and drink those glasses to the bottom, friends, because old Drew Blood has a tale to tell. Hey, you guys patrons yet? Visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click patrons in the upper menu and join the club. You'll get ad-free versions of this and all our other podcasts, including hundreds of standalone releases from our audio archives dating back to 2012. It's a great way to show your support and get a whole lot for it. And submissions. If you've got a story or two you'd like to hear on the show, you can send them directly to us at drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. Y'all know my style by now, friends. I trust your judgment. And it's go time. Tonight's story is a tale of heritage and horror. So without further delay, I give you from author Aaron Vleck, Dear Cousin Gavin. I never knew Grandpa Kenny and Grandma Lita. My mama left home before I was even born. She kept her people in the rearview mirror and had left no forward in the dress. 
Mama's people were the folks at Miller's Hollow. Never ever mom and dad. Everything would have been different if it hadn't been for Grandma Leader's cousin Gavin. Might have been real different for the folks at Miller's Hollow. The people I'd never know. But I wanted to know them. Who they'd been. What they were like. They were family. All my friends had grandpas and grandmas. Dad's parents died young and I never knew them either. I was missing out by never knowing the family. And maybe some aunts and uncles and cousins along the way. I just knew it. Ever since I was little, I've been nagging my daddy for stories about this missing in action family. Mama just got mad so I stopped asking her. We didn't even have a single snapshot of any of them, and that was just plain weird the way I saw it. One night, just a few days past my 16th birthday, Mama ran into the house from the car crying, leaving groceries strewn all over the front lawn. She had gone straight to her room and locked the door. Daddy ran outside but came back in after just a couple minutes and locked the front door. And he told me to go to my room and do the same. A couple hours later, Daddy knocked on my door. He told me it was time for me to hear the story I've been dying to hear. The story of Grandpa Kenny and Grandma Lita and the story of Cousin Gavin. Mostly, though, he said it was the story of Gavin and the stump water moonshine and how it changed everything in Miller's Hollow back in 1973 and pretty much everything thereafter. Life had been like it always was in the hollow, back before the doings of the summer of 73. My mama's mama Lita and her parents lived like everybody else around there. She was in their freshman year at Lakefield High School, and her mama worked at Bev's Quick Mart. Like most of the men in the hollow, her daddy worked at Prescott Mines like his daddy did before him. That year, 1973, the big statewide budget cuts shut down the East Fulton Psychiatric Hospital. That's when Lita's cousin Gavin came to live with them. He'd been a guest at the East Fulton ever since his parents died in the car wreck some years before. Lita's Aunt Lou and Uncle Frank had kept their strange boy at home under lock and key, so to speak. Gavin had been what they call a miracle child. Whispers were among the old folks that Uncle Frank had come back from the war somewhere, hurt real bad in his parts, and so he'd never be able to make a child with Aunt Lou. Of course, there were more whispers about maybe Lou had flown the coop one night and gotten up to some mischief somewhere, but she had always sworn it was a lie and that she had never laid with no man but her Frankie, saying the Lord Almighty had blessed them, and that was the end of it. Except those stories about that night, that there was lightning and a howling, screaming storm like nobody remembered, and then Lou'd been found out in the woods. That's all I ever heard. I always believed Lou's story, though, especially as I got to hear Cousin Gavin's history. Gavin had never really been right for school, and he had never spoken a single word since the day he was born. It wasn't like he was violent or anything. Not really. 
He just didn't know how things worked and that small things were fragile, especially living things. Lou and Frank never kept pets, and any strays were always run off before Gavin had a chance to accidentally do any harm. When he was just 14 years old, the same age as Lita herself, Gavin's parents had died in an accident when their car went off the Hattie's Point Bridge into the river during flood season. Lita wrote in her diary how she had a secret that made her cry herself to sleep every night. She hadn't even told Sally Comstock when she came over to interview the family for a few kind words about the deceased for the church page of the Sunday paper. What Lita hadn't wanted anyone to know was what she had heard her Uncle Frank swear he was going to do. He said he was going to run their car off Hattie's Point into the water with him and Lou and Gavin in it to save everybody in the hollow from what was sure to come, having the boy underfoot and hanging around normal people. Frank had spat on the floor and slammed his fist on the table. Even though he was talking about his own son, and Aunt Lou had started bawling. When Lou and Frank finally did go off the bridge into the water, Gavin had been in the car too, of course. Everybody said it was a true miracle of the Lord God Almighty that the boy survived, and how happy Lita must be to have her own dear cousin home safe with her and her family. This strange, silent boy who never said a word, but who had a liking for doing things that set other people on edge. Like the way he'd touch himself down there and start grunting and drooling and bouncing up and down. Whenever he'd start in on that, Lita's mama would lock him in his room and only let him out the next morning. She also kept him locked in his room while the rest of them were at work and school. Lita's father put bars on Gavin's window so he couldn't get out and locked them in at night so they didn't have to listen to them rooting around the house when they couldn't keep an eye on them. Things went on like this for a few months before Lita's daddy packed up and cleared out after work one day. He just couldn't handle it anymore, but he wasn't man enough to stick around and help his wife and daughter with the burden. Within a month, Lita's mama hung herself from the oak tree in the backyard with the clothesline. Lita was almost past her wit's end when things slid even farther into the red zone. Not a month after her mother's funeral, there was a horrible storm of mythic proportions. Lightning and thunder slammed the hollow for three days, while the winds and rain tore up the trees and even blew out a couple of Lita's windows. She had listened to Gavin wailing half the night, and then somewhere around dawn, he had finally settled down. Lita fell asleep for a while, and when she woke up, the storm had broken. She made some breakfast for the two of them, and she found the boys' room empty and the door frame busted out and splinters all over the floor. Lita searched everywhere but couldn't find no sign of her cousin. She had begun to scour the woods up the hill in the back of the house when she came upon a tree stump burned off by the lightning, still smoking and full of rainwater. There was Gavin, half-naked and shoving handfuls of muck and leaves into the stump and stirring it with a burnt twig. Grabbing hold of him, Lita looked into the stump and saw leaves and mushrooms floating, a bunch of slugs bobbing on the surface, and the half-eaten body of a raven 
submerged in the bloody water. Recoiling when she saw the slugs on his arms, she almost puked when he pulled the icky things off his skin and sat there grinning and hooting and stuffing them into his mouth. Then he ripped himself free of her grasp and started churning up that mess in the stump again. Lita managed to get Gavin back to the house, but there was no point in putting him in his room with the door frame busted out, so she locked him in the cellar. Then she got dressed and headed off to school. When she got home, she was mortified to find Gavin had busted through the cellar door and was long gone. She went right back up the hill to where she knew she had found him. There he was, sitting beside that stump again, this time sucking water and God knows what else out of a hole on the side of the thing. There were more toadstools floating in the mess along with some flowers and beetles and a clogged knot of something she couldn't quite make out and decided she didn't want to. Gavin was just sitting there grinning and rolling his eyes like a drunkard. She managed to stumble him back to the house, got him fed and washed up, and then barricaded in the bathroom. Lita sat on the back porch and started crying. She just didn't know what to do with the boy. He was family. She was not going to turn him into wherever they put people like him. Besides, those places were all shut down now, so she couldn't, even if she wanted to. He was big now, and taller than her too. And even though they had always said he was harmless, it would never hurt anybody. Lita was shit scared of him. Probably it was because he never talked and she had no idea what was going on inside of him. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The next night when Lita got home from school, Gavin had broken free again. She found him back up on the hill, rolling in the grass, drunk as a skunk on whatever crazy mash he had cooked up in that lightning stump still of his. But he seemed happy and he didn't put up a fuss when she herded him back to the house. The next morning, she locked him in the bathroom again, but not before tying him down. When she got back that afternoon, she wasn't that surprised to find he had got out again. She had found him back up at that stump water still of his. But this time, Lita gasped in shock. In Gavin's arms was a baby. The neighbor's child, little Katie Fargo. What gave Lita the chills was the way he was sucking on the baby's fingers like they were teats, with his eyes closed and a creepy cooing, gurgling sound coming out his mouth. 
Katie Fargo was giggling and kicking her little legs with delight, even though Gavin had poured that mucky crap water all over her pudgy little body. He didn't resist when Lita pulled the child out of his arms and ran off with her toward the Fargo place. Eddie Fargo was on the phone to the deputy when she arrived, and his wife Shauna was in screaming hysterics. Lita said she had found the child crawling near their woodpile, then she had hurried on out of there before they had time to think to ask any questions. She found Gavin still sitting beside the stump, sucking that yucky water out of a hole on the side of the blackened stump. He was picking slugs and leeches off himself, popping them with his teeth like chocolate cherries, the sticky blood streaming red from his lips and dripping off his chin. Lita vowed that tomorrow, as soon as she got home from school, she was going straight over to Erickson's Hardware for a good long length of case-hardened steel chain and a dog collar with a lock on it. That was the best she could come up with in the way of a plan for now. The next morning, Lita brought Gavin his breakfast. Before she even opened the door to the bathroom, she paused and listened. The boy was singing. It was a high-pitched melodic tune that was just the most god-awful thing she had ever heard. Gavin, who had never spoken a single word in his whole life, was singing. She couldn't make out any of the words, so she eased open the door and peered in. He was lying in the bathtub with his head on the pillow she had brought in for him. Just lying there, one leg crossed over the other, singing and waving his right hand in the air like he was leading an orchestra. Lita smiled, part happy but mostly sad through her tears. She went in and set his plate where he could reach it, and then she went out and closed the door as Gavin resumed his aria. When she got home that afternoon, she didn't even bother going into the house. She knew Gavin wasn't going to be there. Sure enough, making her way through the trees, she heard this happy voice singing his strange song. But she stopped short and groaned when she saw him sitting there with Katie Fargo on his lap again. She started toward them, scolding the boy. Then she heard the screaming. It was coming from Katie and her mama Shauna, and was echoed by roars of animal rage from the baby's father as he barreled through the trees toward them. Lita stopped in her tracks before stumbling forward and muttering an incoherent sob. Shauna stood not five feet from Gavin and her child, vomiting. There were leeches on Katie's arms and face and on her fat little legs, and Gavin was pulling them off and plopping them into his mouth with a loud sucking sound. Then Lita saw all the blood on Katie's arms and legs and face and the other plump red morsels Gavin was shoving into his grinning mouth as he chewed and tried to keep on with his singing. Katie had stopped screaming. She was long past that now. Lita watched in horror as Gavin shoved the baby off his lap and into the mud, where she just laid there, her neck twisted at a sickening angle. Lita saw a lot more blood when Eddie Fargo raised his shotgun and emptied both barrels into her cousin's shoulder. The blast knocked Gavin backwards at least five feet into the mud. Then Lita passed out and knew no more for a good long while. 
When she came to, she was in the hospital. In the bed next to her was Gavin, hooked up to a bunch of wires and tubes and machines like some kind of Frankenstein. A few minutes later, the police came to talk to her. Preliminary questions about whether she had been actively involved in the incident, as they called it or not. Lita knew better. What she had witnessed wasn't any incident. It was a murder. The brutal butchering of an innocent child. A baby not six months old by a monster who was of her own flesh and blood kin. Why didn't you drown instead of Aunt Lou and Uncle Frank? She growled looking at him lying there, trussed up on life support. Why didn't Eddie's bullet finish you off, you freak? She screamed through her choked sobs. Then he stirred in his sleep and started in on that infernal singing that made no sense, but now made Lita's flesh crawl. She had to put down the urge to get out of bed and go smother him with his pillow and put an end to his vile existence. After that, things happened pretty quickly. There was the trial. A hideous nightmare of a trial that was hustled through the system just weeks after Gavin had been declared fit to stand before the court. There were all the to-be-expected testimonies from the Fargos on how they had found their baby Katie in the clutches of this half-wit neighbor, murdered and worse, before their very eyes. There'd been the testimony by the police and first responders on the scene. None of that had prepared Lita for the blown-up pictures in full color of the victim. Of Katie Fargo's tiny body, half-eaten and covered in leaves and blood. Then there was the other picture. The one taken after Lita was taken away in the ambulance. There was Gavin, sitting in the mud grinning and bleeding from the gunshot wound in his shoulder and vomiting blood in great red gushes down the front of his shirt and trying to shove it back into his mouth with his fingers. Lita had gagged at the side and the court matron half carried her to the bathroom where she puked her guts out. Then Lita collapsed on the floor and ended up back in the hospital. They'd spared her any further exposure to the public and the press. The trial ended the way murder trials usually do in a county where people believe evil is a man's willful misdoing and put little stock in reasons of insanity and diminished capacity. As expected, the public defender for Gavin rambled through a litany of predictable excuses like the boy's state of mind and the startling change that had come over him after the big lightning storm and how he probably had some lingering effects from mushrooms or leeches and beetles and whatever else he was sucking out of that stump water still of his. None of that mattered to anybody in the vicinity of Miller's Hollow, least of all to Eddie and Shauna Fargo and to Lita. Gavin was condemned and sentenced to hang for his crimes and given a reduced sentence aforehand meaning they had fast-tracked him to meet the gallows without a lengthy stay in jail at the county taxpayer's expense. On the morning of August 15, 1973, Gavin Wendover Wilcox took his last meal of eggs, ham, toast, and black coffee, and then went without benefit of counsel or clergy 
to meet his maker without a word, besides the song he had been singing since the storm. Three days later, Lita Erlene Wilcox and that handsome boyfriend of hers, Kenny Orton, set off for parts unknown and undeclared, leaving the house in Miller's Hollow and all that was inside it for anybody who wanted it. Lita and Kenny got married somewhere along the way, and before too much time had passed, they'd welcomed my mama into the world. Lita never forgot the events of the summer of 73, of course, but she had made her peace with the past as best she could and found some happiness in her husband and her new baby girl, Nora, my mama. One night when Nora was about a year old, Lita was driving home with a load of groceries when a man stepped off the curb right in front of her. She'd slammed on her brakes and missed hitting him by inches. The man had turned around and grinned at her, and then he had run off. Lita could have sworn it was Gavin, which was strictly speaking not even possible since he was long dead and buried in the ground. She pulled over to the curb and just sat there, shaking and telling herself she was seeing things. When she got home, she did her best to put the whole thing out of her mind and started to fix dinner. Kenny walked in the door a few minutes later, pleased as a pickle, and told Lita he had gotten a raise. That was the end of any thoughts of Lita's past. The next morning, Lita woke up to the sound of Nora laughing and giggling in her crib. She went into the baby's room expecting to see Kenny playing with her as he always did each morning before work, but it was late and he was already gone. Lita changed her daughter's diaper and went to get her bottle. When she came back, she heard Nora singing. Lita almost gagged when she made out a few notes of what sounded like that craziness Gavin used to sing during his final days leading up to the incident. Lita shook her head, thinking she was imagining things again, as she scooped little Nora up in her arms, and she was just jabbering her happy baby sounds. No singing, nothing to worry about. Besides, Gavin was rotted in the dirt. She knew that for a fact. The next day when Kenny got home, he was in a terrible mood. He ate dinner without saying more than a few words, and then retired to the TV with a beer. Lita went and curled up next to him after she had put the baby down for the night, but he wouldn't say what was bothering him. Long after they went to bed, Lita lay awake, knowing something was wrong with her man. Knowing he lay there in the darkness next to her with his eyes open and staring at the ceiling. She got up later to get the baby's bottle when she heard her fussing. When she came back to bed, Kenny turned on the light and looked at her. What? She asked. You notice anybody hanging around outside today? He asked in that low mumble he used when he was grappling with something uneasy. No. Did you? She hissed. Yeah. Some creeper in the bushes between the houses. But... He had broken off with a shrug and a wince and just shook his head. But what? Lita cried. Kitty, you're scaring me. Her husband asked her if she was sure she hadn't seen anybody. She hadn't. Then she remembered the man who stepped out in front of her, 
and she went all cold inside. The crazy thing is, Kenny had continued, he looked just like Gavin. Exactly like he did before he, you know, before they hanged him. Looked exactly like him, Lita. You sure? Sure as shit that evil fucker's dead? Lita cried out and buried her tears in her husband's shoulder and told him about the man she had seen in the road. The next day, Lita called the courthouse in Miller's Hollow. Yes, Gavin Wilcox was hung by the neck until dead. The voice in the hollow said, He was pronounced on August 15th, 1973 at 7.13 a.m. by Dr. Jason Matthew Higgs of the county coroner's office. He was removed to Johnson's funeral home where he was prepared at minimal expense and procedure for the burial he duly received at Sacred Heart Cemetery on August 17th, 1973 at 11 a.m. Before no witnesses besides staff and employees of Sacred Heart and the previously mentioned Dr. Higgs. The woman droned on robotically. No mistakes or errors possible in the public record. The deceased in question was surely and for all time dead and interred, never again to rise. The woman assured her, and then hung up without a goodbye or in anything else I can do for you today, ma'am. None of this did anything to ease Kenny and Lita's sense of dread when they saw the pure evil likeness of Lita's dead cousin, Gavin Wilcox, standing outside the church the following Sunday where they had gone just to be on the comfortable side of damnation. Of course, the likeness had disappeared when Kenny had taken off after him, just like he had disappeared when Lita found him looking in the kitchen window after breakfast the next morning. No amount of assurances by the woman in Miller's Hollow could dispel the shock and disgust Kenny and Lita felt when they picked the baby up from her crib that night and found her blanket soaking wet and sticky with the stinking reek of mushrooms, rotted leaves, and foul water. It was decided then and there that raise or no raise, unholy apparition or crazy stalker, Kenny and Lita were pulling up stakes and moving far away. They jumped five states in as many days and sat down in Wichita, Kansas. When Nora was about two, Lita heard her daughter singing a tune that set her blood to ice. When she had asked her daughter where she had heard the tune, she said, The man in the TV. Lita had breathed a sigh of relief. The next day, she was carrying her daughter to the car when Nora started laughing and singing that bone-chilling tune again and yelling, look, mommy, look, the man in the TV. Lita turned just in time to see the doppelganger of Gavin Wilcox riding past him on an old rusted bicycle. The man grinned and waved, and Lita ran with her daughter in her arms to the car and drove straight to Kenny's work. The next day, they packed up and pulled out for California. They had been there a little over a year when Nora started talking about her invisible friend. A man who never said a word but sang her a song over and over. The man had tried to get Nora to drink from an old wooden bucket he carried, but it smelled bad and had bugs floating in it, so she had refused. Lita and Kenny were horrified. They asked their daughter where she had met this man. In the backyard, the girl had said. 
and at school, and late one night in her bedroom, and even in the bathroom where he had put yucky things in her bathwater. Lita and Kenny packed up and moved again and again and again. Whenever the singing Gavin man or the apparition of him appeared, they moved frequently all through Mama's childhood and teenage years. Whenever the singing Gavin man appeared in Nora's room at night, or taunted Kenny and Lita on the streets, from windows, near their house, and from passing buses and cars and trucks, always with that maddening grin and that incessant horrible mindless singing. When Nora left for college, the visitation stopped completely. No more sightings, no Gavin showing up in the middle of the night in her room, no trying to force her to drink from his bucket that stank of rotted growing things. It was the end of it. Lita and Kenny moved back to Miller's Hollow to make their peace or some such unfathomable reason, and Mom cut ties with her parents because of it and put it all behind her, as Lita herself had done before her. Mama finished college and got a good job. Then came a series of promotions, a few boyfriends, and then the man who would become my father came on the scene and wiped the floor with the competition and swept Mama off her feet. In the fullness of time, I joined the clan. When I was old enough to start wondering, I started asking about Mama's people. I wanted to know why I didn't have a grandpa and grandma from the Wilcox side of the family, but no one would ever say a word about them. On that night when Mama had run into the house all tears and hysterics, Daddy decided it was time for me to hear the story. When he was finished, I just sat there thinking, trying to process it all. Thanks for telling me, Dad, I think, I said, wrapping my arms around myself the way I do when it's cold or I'm figuring things out. So I guess you thought I was finally grown up enough to, you know, to handle it? I asked, sitting up straight and looking at them in case there might be more to be told. Yes, Dad, of course, buddy. But also because when I got up to go to the bathroom last night, I could have sworn I heard Gavin's song coming out of your room. But then it all stopped of a sudden and I heard you powering down your computer. So I figured it was just some of that weird music of yours. Yeah, whatever. I said, nodding and smiling at him. Right, Father continued. But then tonight, what set your mother off was... She saw somebody looking in the window. When I went outside, I just couldn't believe it. It was him. It was Gavin. I switched on the porch light, but he was gone. But it was him. As we sat there, lost in thought, Mom appeared in my doorway, her eyes wild and her hand over her mouth. He... he's out there? She hissed just staring at my dad and me and glancing nervously at the window. It's okay, Mom. I know. I know all about it. I said, trying to seem all grown up and everything. My parents went on to bed, but I knew they weren't sleeping. In my own room, I killed the light, lit some candles, and just sat there in the cool darkness of my sanctuary. I had plenty of ideas about how to make Cousin Gavin go away forever tugging at the small inverted pentagram at my throat, 
I carefully went over in my mind which of my friends I knew to have the stomach for the kinds of things I'd been thinking about lately. Things I wanted very badly to try on somebody. Something. Just like dear, sweet Cousin Gavin. Now that was creepy. You've been listening to Dear Cousin Gavin by author Aaron Vleck. I tell you, getting rid of half-wits is harder than it looks sometimes. Sometimes they just keep coming back to haunt you. Uh, Big D? What the fuck? Come in, Big D. Uh, over. Um, hold on just a second. Woo, that was eerie. A little about the author. Aaron Vleck is a storyteller whose work focuses primarily on the trickster as bringer of delight and proponent of disquiet and humors. Many of her short stories delve into the original tales of the djinn and the universal imagining of the Native American coyote. Some works are historical in setting, while others hail from the contemporary and urban landscape. She indulges more and more in the reimagining of classic themes of Lovecraftian horror and has a keen fondness for the occult detective. Erin is a graduate of Sarah Lawrence College where she spent most of her time writing. Her work has appeared in many places around the net including Ghastly Tales Podcast, The Wicked Library, Nocturnal Transmissions, and Creeperoni, as well as in numerous anthologies. She was shortlisted for a Parsec Award and appeared on Ellen Datlow's recommended reading list a few years ago. If you're interested in some more Erin Vleck, you can visit her at her website, erinvleck.wordpress.com, A-A-R-O-N-V-L-E-K dot wordpress dot com. She's got a number of stories you can listen to and even more at her podcast series, The Private Collector, which you can find on thewickedlibrary.com. Click on Seasons and scroll down to The Private Collector. Check it out, won't you? You won't regret it. And as long as you're feeling generous, friends, subscribe to this podcast wherever you do your listening and leave me a five-star review and a kind word if you're feeling so inclined, even if you're listening on YouTube. I need soldiers on all fronts to win this battle, and I appreciate it. And on a side note, I will say that I'm trying to do this for a living and it sure as hell would help me. To hear a premium ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other podcast episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the patrons link in the upper menu. You'll find yourself at chillintalesfordarknights.com, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 a month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program and all our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. Thank you for your time and for supporting the other guys' sponsors. When you support their sponsors, you support their shows. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook and Instagram, and sometimes Twitter. Sometimes. And remember, we're accepting submissions. 
If you've got a story or two you'd like to be featured on this show, send it to drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. If selected, you'll get the full treatment. I repeat, if selected, you'll get the full treatment. It's not a shoe-in just because you submitted something. I just want to put that out there. Well, I'm afraid this is where we part ways, at least till next week. So grab a drink for the road, friend. I'd offer you a cold one, but, well, you understand. The summer night has a smile of light, and she sits on a sapphire throne. Fuck you, Brian Proctor. Leeds, England is 60 degrees right now. <laughs> Tonight I'm going to say something a little different. Tonight I'd like to get a message out to my best and lifelong friend, Mr. Brian Pittman. The single most talented man I have ever known. My brother, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I can tell something's up. And I just want to tell you that anytime, anywhere, you need anything, I'm always here for you. I love you, brother. Time and distance will never change that. Remember that. As for my beautiful listeners, may the wind be at your back and may the road rise up to meet y'all. Keep an eye on those creepy neighbors and go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Good night, y'all. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.